Okay, well, he's ready to go. So enough about that. So here we go. And as we do all the time when we have the mayor join the show, here is John Hoven. What's up, fellas? We have the music ready, and we don't know what happened to it. But we will get it yeah, for well, I was I was wondering <laughs> what was going on, but that's okay. It's early on a Saturday. Let's just do it. Let's talk hockey. <laughs> Let's do it. Anyway, John Hoven, mayorsmanner.com. Uh, joining us here on the program. Okay, uh, John, so here we go. Jonathan Quick gets traded to Columbus. I don't know what his stats are with Columbus. Zero, zero, zero for about five, ten minutes, whatever it is. <laughs> then he gets traded to Vegas. Initial thoughts. First of all, let me, let me just ask you this. Your thoughts on Jonathan Quick still not being a member of the LA Kings? Well, it's it's really bizarre. I mean, this is... This is a guy who was on Mount Rushmore. Uh, this is somebody who is as important or was as important to the team uh, as Andre Kopitar, Drew Doughty, Dustin Brown. You know, those are the core four. We've talked about those guys for the better part of more than a decade. So it's very strange to see him in another uniform. It's very weird to have him not be part of the organization. However, if you follow sports long enough, this happens to just about everybody, whether you're talking about Mike Madonna playing for the Detroit Red Wings, whether you're talking about Wayne Gretzky either not being a member of the Oilers or not being a member of the Kings and seeing him in the, with the St. Louis Blues or, or the New York Rangers. It happens. It's, it's part of sports. Very few players get the Jared, uh, excuse me get the Shane Doan or the Steve Eiserman treatment of you know one team their entire career so uh it 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 is and we'll, we'll get into why it happened and everything else but i, I would mm-hmm. say this i would ask the people that are upset and worried and concerned and and, and all that stuff uh that we've seen on social media this week is it about ceremonies or is it about parades i think it's more about parades than it is about ceremonies so let's just keep that in mind from a perspective standpoint as we talk about what happened. Okay, so put that aside. Put the emotion aside. We just did Kings of the Podcast last night, so you can listen to uh, more detailed thoughts on that. But, John, just analyze the trade like from a hockey standpoint, not from the emotions, and I get it, and it's upsetting for a lot of fans, and they're allowed to their emotions. But the further we get away from that day of the trade, we now have to look at, at the hockey team. So just your thoughts on Gavrikov and Corpusalo being added to the team. You know, you said something really important there, DB, that I don't want to gloss over, and that is it is important to acknowledge that the fans are allowed to have their feelings. People, people are allowed to go through that emotional roller coaster. Fans are invested in their favorite team, and they become invested in players, you know, emotionally, even financially, buying jerseys and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, I, I feel for I'm very empathetic to all the fans out there that uh, were upset about the trade this week and any of the trades, not just in Los Angeles, but for other teams as well. So I do feel for the fans. Now let's pivot, though, and talk about what you just asked, which is to analyze the trade. The Kings addressed the two most glaring needs that they had in the organization. They had terrible goaltending this season, historically bad goaltending, a team with their goaltending numbers should not be challenging for the Pacific Division title, and I think it had been since like 1864 since somebody had won a division title in hockey that had their type of uh, goaltending numbers. So it it was damn near impossible to win the division with their numbers, okay? Um, That's just the reality. Those are facts. It's math. It's not something you can argue. Now, the other thing that they needed to address was the left shot D, and this is something that they've been talking about, we've been talking about for the last couple of years. Uh, so they were able to go out and fill two glaring holes with, without moving a forward or a defenseman off the roster, and that was very important to GM Rob Blake and to Coach Todd McClellan because they like this group, and you hear people talk about that, but it's not just words. 
They really like the group. They like the mix that they have. They're deep on forward. They're an offensive juggernaut this year, which you can never say about the L.A. Kings historically. They like their mix on defense. Uh, they just needed to fix that left shot D, and so they were able to get two players uh, into, the, into the room without having to take players off the roster. So there is risk that's involved, uh, you know, something that gets talked about as well with, you know, their unrestricted free agents. Somebody said to me the other night, oh, they paid too much. I said, well, hold on a minute, wait a minute, let's let this thing play out, because if one or both of those players end up signing contract extensions, the optics of the trade might look a little bit different. But here's the reality, the LA Kings are better today than they were if we would have done this interview last week on Hot Stove. So they're they're. They're in a much better position as you head into the playoff stretch here and going into the postseason. Uh, I agree with you fully. Um, better today. Well, that's than no fun, Panyota. Yeah, Dave, take a luck. different <laughs> angle. Take a different angle. Come on. Well, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm calming down a little bit. The caffeine's wearing <laughs> off. Um, so I, I want to ask about the other the other move that was made. The, one, the move that was made yesterday uh, in bringing a tough sob to the roster in Zach McEwen. And, who's also a really good guy, by the way. Uh, so the, the mindset behind bringing in that guy, you, you move out Lemieux, you bring in McEwen, who's a little bit, well, he's better, uh, just be blunt. Um, so what do you think his role with this team is going to be? And is this a move that was made for the stretch run, or is this a move to add protection come playoff time? I think you go back to last year's seven-game playoff series against the Edmonton Oilers. The Kings were in that series. They had a chance to win that series. They could have, should have, would have won that series. And one of the things that Edmonton did is they took liberties at different times, Evander Kane, Cassie, and some other players, with the L.A. Kings. And, and, and really it was a light bulb moment that for as much skill as the Kings have added to the team and as much as they have a great system and they've turned the corner out of the recreation, the rebuild era, and it was really time to move forward, there were a couple of elements that were missing, more so than the goaltending and more so even than the left shot D because they were able to piece enough uh, you know, players together to get around those issues. But the physicality, the team had gotten a little bit small, a little bit heavy on the skill side, and they needed some, they needed some beef, they needed some meat. And while you can say that you know, the NHL has gotten away from fighting and all of that sort of stuff, it is important to have that sort of enforcer presence, that, yeah. that just, just in the mind of the other team, like, hey, you know what? We're going to have to answer the bell if we get a little bit too cuckoo in the brain out there on the ice. And Brendan Lemieux, you know, he's, he's a middleweight. He's not a heavyweight, and he's an agitator. He's not really an enforcer by the truest definition of it. And Lemieux also, he had his ups and downs in Los Angeles as well. There were stretches of time, especially right after the trade, where it didn't really look like he was adding much to the group. And then there were other periods where it was like, wow, what a dynamic fourth line. And he, he had some chemistry with uh, Blake Lazat. But with Lazat up as a 3C and with Lemieux having some injuries and then coming back, he never really, I would say, recovered to be at the same level that he was before. So another great trade for the Kings, only in the sense of it's what they needed. Now, we can look at it in six months from now and talk about, hey, how did Zach McEwen perform when he was in Los Angeles? But, hey, the Kings make great trades with the Flyers. Uh, there's a long history there. These are the, the, the Flyers were the first team the Kings ever faced in 1967, and there's a long, winding history between these two clubs, so it's not that surprising. You go out and you add somebody also who's a younger player than Brendan Lemieux, and he's a restricted free agent. So if the Kings like what they see in this player over the, the, the balance of the season, then come this summer they have some control to bring him back, which is also good for uh, the L.A. Kings. 
The team, if you look at the uh, Pacific, John, and people can put as much stock into this as they want, but the whole plus-minus thing, I know I joke, that's one of the things we do in the segment in a joking way about who's the worst in that, but my point is, the Kings are second, and they've been hovering around the plus-one, plus-two, and right now they're a plus-one. You look at all the other division leaders, even in third, they're a lot better than that. Is there a concern, not that the Kings stare at that stat and think, oh boy, whatever, but is there a concern even from a fan's perspective thinking, okay, if we get into a seven-game series... Um, and we only have the, we need to play these tight, tight, tight games. I know the playoffs are called tighter, but just kind of going into it is the mindset of, well, we're not going to score a ton of goals, so we really got to focus in on the back end. And is that going to be an okay thing for them going forward? No, I think if, if you're talking uh, goal differential or plus minus. Yeah. yeah, goal differential. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify. If you're talking goal differential, I, I think it's one of those things where the devil's in the details. You can't really look at it the whole entire season for the L.A. Kings, you really almost have to draw a line in the sand, the game in Buffalo in the middle of December. From that point forward, up until right now, the Kings, I believe, are the second-best team in the Western Conference and they're top five in the NHL. So this has been a different club since that point. At the beginning of the year, and it was maddening to Coach Todd McClellan the first six weeks of the season, for whatever reason, the Kings players, the team, the group, decided that they were going to become the next uh, edition of, of Jerry Glanville's Atlanta Falcons in the run and shoot. They were playing run and gun hockey. They, that was an old school reference, by the way. Uh, yeah. Dave, Dave probably doesn't get that as a Cowboys fan. But anyway, the point is, they wanted to play run and gun. They were fine winning 9-8. I mean, they thought it was the Smythe division back in the early 90s. Greg, he was probably watching the games and loving every minute of it. The coach was pulling his hair out, trying to figure out how to get this team to play defense. Once they figured out, hey, we're going to have to play defense and to win some games, things really started to improve with this club, and you don't have to look at one specific game, look at sort of a body of work, and in general, most nights since then, the defense has started to lock things down, they've only been giving up you know, a couple of goals most nights, and they're outscoring opponents by more than one goal on most nights. This team, L.A. Kings team right now, has one of the top power plays in the NHL, they're able to generate offense five on five, they're able to generate offense with the man advantage and they're able to roll multiple lines. When this team is really clicking, it's a three-line team. And it's also one of the reasons why I'm surprised that Kevin Fiala is still on the second line, because in my opinion, this club has been at its best when Fiala's on the third line, because it truly gives McClellan three lines to roll. And then now with the addition of almost a stopper line, you know, having, uh, having McEwen there on the fourth line, you start to look more like a playoff club, and I think you're going to see that goal differential continue to improve here over the balance of the season for L.A. Nothing wrong with options at all for the head coach. Uh, They play the uh, Blues tonight, 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 in L.A. Thank you, Mayor, as always. Appreciate this, and we'll do this again. Looking forward to it. Boys, it's always a good time. Panyota, you're going to need to get some sleep. You had a tough week with all the uh, radio and TV appearances, so rest up, have a Red Bull, and we'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 